You are listening to You Are a Lawyer. I'm Kyla Denagno, a 2015 law school graduate. This episode is brought to you by me. <laughs> Seriously, I'm selling merchandise at shopyouarelawyer.com. That's where you can find water bottles, long and short sleeve t-shirts, and everything you need to support the You Are a Lawyer podcast. So support your favorite lawyer's favorite podcaster and visit shopyouarelawyer.com to grab some merchandise. In episode 52, I am speaking with a businessman and lawyer. This guest counsels creators to ensure their designs, ideas, and intellectual property are protected. Based in Los Angeles, California, today's guest is John Tobin. Welcome to the You Are Lawyer podcast. Thank you. Great Thank you for <laughs> when, having me here. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is John Founders of a law firm here in Los Angeles called Council for Creators. So as the name might indicate to you, uh, we work with a lot of creative people. So people in the arts, media and technology, and we've kind of found a really good niche in serving those people. And the way that we serve people, I feel like it's pretty unique and, and has really been able to help a lot of people. Yeah. And you have a really interesting story about why you went to law school, which was that you were interested in the business side of everything. Would you give a little bit more detail about that? Yeah. So before my career as a lawyer, I actually worked as a designer and software developer. So I worked at startups and a lot of different big companies. And as I was in that job, I started to see that, I guess, the the larger context, I started to become exposed to things like IPO filings or, you know, different kind of things that were happening in the background of the work that I was doing. So I got curious and mm-hmm. that ultimately led me to law school. I think um, at one point I decided, I was thinking to myself, is it going to be an MBA program or a law program and law won out? So that's, I ended up in law school and then in law school, my focus was on intellectual property. So trademarks and copyrights and things like that, which is what I do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I follow you on Twitter and you're always talking about trademarks. (laughs) All the time, yeah. But you make it really relevant, right? You're like, you don't give someone a trademark. You are having the government recognize that you're already using this mark. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's little things people don't know. And Mm -hmm. I just try to, you know, Twitter is a great way to, if something pops into my head, usually I'm working on something else trademark related. And, you know, maybe it's something that someone said or something I read and I'm like, Hey, actually that's something that would be valuable. So I jump into Twitter, put it out there. There are a lot of people on there and a lot of people that are looking to connect all the time too. So, yeah. So what did you study in undergrad? What was it that you did before you even started thinking about law school? Yeah. So I actually had a kind of interesting uh, career path. So I didn't finish undergrad until I think I was 28 Um, Because before that, you know, in order really like when the dot com boom started, I kind of rode that wave, you know, I I think I was 19 when I got my first job working at a software company. And so just did that. And at some point I decided, hey, I'm going to go to college because I wanted a college degree just to have it. And I studied uh, global studies, which is essentially UCLA's version of international affairs. So you know, I start, you know, you learn about things like different um, international organizations like the UN, foreign policy, things mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, actually, it was kind of interesting because I think that's what set me up to go in the legal direction, because what I realized is you'd hear about all these ideas and all these goals. And what I ultimately realized is that none of this stuff comes into reality unless it's put into law. Yeah. So that's what got me interested in law, just kind of realizing, okay, if it's not a law, um, in some ways, there's it doesn't have a you know a great impact. You know, really putting something into law is what makes something have 
teeth, so to speak. Mm -hmm. No, that's a great point. The law is interwoven in so many business practices and the reasons why people send contracts and why you have people review all of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's great that that brought that out of you. And are you from California? Yeah, I was actually born in New York, but I grew up in Los Angeles. Okay. And you're in California now and licensed there. Right. Yeah. Licensed California attorney. Um, I've been here pretty much all of my adult life. We'll probably be here for a lot longer. <laughs> okay. With your company, um, you were saying that you consult with clients on a regular basis. You create marketing plans. You discuss you know, trademarks and different things like that. What would you say are some of the challenges that you face? Yeah. You know, it changes as the business evolves. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I can say that right now, like my most immediate challenge is building a good team. So finding talented people who not just can work hard and do the job, but who also share our values and can understand what we're trying to do for our clients right now. That's my biggest challenge. Um, naturally at the start of it, it was getting clients at all. And then, you know, I think at every phase of growth, there's a different challenge, which is what I like. I mean, I think in my role, at my business, I've transitioned more from being an attorney to being um, more an entrepreneur. So I'm more, Mm -hmm. I spend probably 90% of my time, 95, thinking about business issues and acting on the business issues rather than practicing law. Yeah. And do you enjoy your work structure being set up this way? I love it. Yeah, I love it. And I think actually, you know, it's, it's where my talents lie. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a good lawyer, but what I've found is, you know, what I like to do more is kind of bring together the people and the resources that can amplify what I could do on my own, let's say. So trying to find good people or trying to create the systems through which the work gets done. And I think that's what's actually accelerated a lot of what we do is, is kind of moving out of that role of I'm just strictly a lawyer here to do legal work into mm-hmm. um, we're business people, we're entrepreneurs trying to build something that's going to help the legal work get done, going to help serve more people. Yeah. And realizing that you can advise on a number of different matters, but just because you're a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I've even been telling people, you know, I've been a lawyer for close to 10 years now. Naturally, when you first graduate law school, I think your focus as it should be is on the black letter law on what the case law says. And that all still is part of this. But um, as I've grown as a lawyer, you know, I think now my role is providing reassurance to my clients you know, making sure that they feel like they've been heard, acknowledged, and understand what we're doing for them, making sure that the experience is something where they feel positive about, you know, and so I think that requires going beyond just being a lawyer. Mm -hmm. People don't just want to hear what does the law say, and then you drop it on them and then walk away. They want to be like, well, what does it mean? You you know, I have questions, or I feel stupid asking a question. I want to make sure that I feel safe talking to you and asking you questions that I might feel insecure about asking. So that's really my job is to make sure that that kind of environment is created. Yeah. And you know what that's making me think of is the counselor at law part of becoming a lawyer, becoming an attorney, how you actually are counseling people with their problems. Yeah. And that's what it is. And I think even the name counsel for creators, it was intentionally somewhat broad. Obviously, Mm -hmm. as a lawyer, we always think it means legal counsel, but it can mean a lot of other types of counsel. I mean, I've been in business pretty much all my life. So I have a wealth of experience just in knowing how companies work. Um, So that's something I share with people or even in building my own business, kind of learning about, hey, here are some things I've experienced hiring people or on social media or whatever that I can share with my clients. And it's the same thing for my partner and for the other people who work with us. We all sort of try to expand beyond that simple role of here's legal advice. 
and uh, do with it what you will. We want to try to be more holistic here. Yeah. So did you come up with the name Council for Creators? I did. Yeah, I came up with a name. Yep. <laughs> it's a great name. Yeah, it so, really works. And it's, it's funny because as a trademark lawyer, it's you know what you call a descriptive trademark, which essentially is harder to register. And so I knew that going in, but I just really liked it. I liked the idea of the name explaining exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's really good for branding, right? Yeah. The name is telling the story. Yeah. yeah. So did you start Council for Creators for a specific type of creator, you know, like digital software, and now you've opened it up to many types of different creators? I think it was always pretty broad. Again, I think the term creator in Council for Creators really was intended to encompass things like artists, software developers, um, startup founders, a whole wide range of people. So, cause these are the people that I knew from before my career as a lawyer here in Los Angeles. So um, I just wanted to find a way to, to serve everybody. And it was, you know, it was less about the sector or space that they were in and more about um, kind of the size and the challenges that they were facing. So, you know, we're looking more at like small agencies or solopreneurs, people who are just starting out. Those are the people that we can help the most. Yeah. And I just I have to ask, because this question has been burning at me, mm-hmm. <laughs> at Council for Creators, do you have a role where you act as an agent for a creator, where you would be, you know, talking to them and TikTok and negotiating contracts? Or is it more, you know, standard legal stuff if someone's infringing on their trademark? Yeah, it's more standard legal stuff. We'll okay. provide advice, um, but we you know, we don't act as agents. And it's actually really interesting because you'll have a lot of people who, and, you know, again, I, I know that there's a lot of lawyers who do this, you know, where they'll sort of act as an intermediary, but and kind of blur that role. I, I personally don't like that because I feel like it, it blurs the role between legal counsel and agent. I think the aims are a little bit different. I mean, okay. more power to anyone who wants to do it. But for me, I just don't see it as, as something I wish to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad that wasn't a silly question. Because <laughs> no, when I hear creator, I immediately think content creator. So it, well, it can be. Yeah. I mean, obviously it is content creator. Like that's mm-hmm. definitely in it. We have a lot of people who are, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, influencers or content yeah. creators on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I mean, that's something that's happened in the last five or six years you mm-hmm. know, where that's become, you know, an actual viable way to make a living. Yeah. So John, I know you went to UCLA for law school and you, you know, studied with some some wonderful legal professionals, but did you actually work at any law firms? Did you learn from anyone else before you created your own business? So during law school, I worked, um, so let me think. So I went during my second year summer, I worked at uh, Fox Studios. So I worked at one of the big movie studios here. It was, uh, I think in uh, Century City. And so that really was nice because I got to see the inside of a big entertainment company. I got to see, you know, movie contracts, sports contracts, all kinds of things, and just kind of get a sense of, okay, how do these big players operate and see it from the inside? So that experience was great. Um, During my 3L year, I clerked for a trademark attorney. So that's where I actually learned how to do the hands-on work of filing trademarks and things like that. And then afterwards, I um, actually reached out to a number of attorneys who do the work that I currently do and said, Hey, you know, I'll do projects for you. If you can show me the Mm. ropes, if you can teach me. And it was, you know, for me, it was less about, you know, I want to make money with you and more about, I want to learn how to do this job. Yeah. And they were receptive to that. Very much so. Because I think when you approach people with the, you know, idea of, I want to get better, 
especially when you're new, you know, Mm -hmm. I think obviously you graduate from law school and a lot of people have the idea that, well, I graduated from this law school. I'm entitled to a, you know, big salary right away. Some people are, you know, and some people can go to big law and do that. But I think for those who choose not to go to big law, um, it's really more about building those skills. And I always tell people who ask me, you know, if, if you're not going to go into a big law, if you're looking to do the kind of thing that we are, um, spend the first year just building skills, obviously Mm -hmm. make enough money to live and do whatever it takes. And I, you know, honestly, I would do things like, um, you know, the hearings for other attorneys and stuff to make money while I was learning. And so that's the emphasis. You know, I always tell people focus and optimize for learning during your first year as a lawyer, if you're not in a large law firm who can kind yeah. of pay you to get trained. Okay. And with those hearings, I would assume that included court appearances. Yeah. I did a lot of court appearances. Okay. So I don't do any court stuff now. I stay <laughs> very far away from it, but yeah, um, that experience is great because then I can tell my clients here's what court is really like. Mm-hmm. And I know from experience viscerally, you know, here's what the court's like. It's not easy. It's not like you see on TV where you just go in and tell your story and they give you money. It's, um, you know, it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of hearings. It's a lot of back and forth. A lot of attorneys being quite frankly, nasty. And mm-hmm. I tell people, you don't want to deal with that. So let's work on your legal stuff now so we can stay far away from it. Yeah. And the reason I asked that question about actually attending court is because to everyone in the audience, you don't have to stick with the first job you get out of law school. No. Right? That's what I constantly find people are so amazed by with this podcast. They're like, if I become a criminal defense attorney, that's just what I am. That's it. No. 35 years later, I'm a, and I'm like, you can change. You can pivot. You can do both. Oh, right? Absolutely. And it sounds like you've had multiple legal experiences and they're all relevant. Yeah. Now you reminded me with that. My first um, job, and this was like a post, as a post bar clerk. So I was waiting for my license. I actually worked at a employment litigation firm um, for long enough to realize I don't like it. I don't like litigation, (laughs) um, but that experience was valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's one thing I'm really trying to promote with the podcast. And it's just that the power of choice and the power of changing your mind. Um, Every decision that you make does not have to be forever. Right. Um, you're allowed to, to change and look at other things and you're not cheating on the law because you decide, I don't think I like employment law. Right, so. or even law in general. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, so, I, mean, I know that other guests you've had have made a transition from being a lawyer, but yeah. you know, it's not set in stone. And I think you know, part of that idea that it is comes from law school. I mean, there's this kind of this group thing that happens where it's like everybody's on a different track, like law review track, big law mm-hmm. track, all this other stuff, as if it's set out, as if there's some sort of pattern that everyone has to follow, but yeah. you don't, like you really don't. It's just, it's it's arbitrary and you can choose not to, like you're saying. Yeah. You were taking IP um, courses when you were in law school. Yeah. I took as many IP courses okay. as I possibly could because I did want to have, you know, that knowledge foundation because then when I went and started to gain experience, it all made sense. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned in your pre-recording questionnaire that law school helped you break down processes and understand how to analyze things really well mm-hmm. on the business side and just on the legal side. Yeah. How do you use, how do you use those skills with your current role as partner with Council for Creators? Yeah, great question. So you know, the, I think the thing I've gotten out of legal thinking, and I, and I sometimes think to myself, if I could not practice law anymore, at all, like just for whatever reason, the method of thinking that I learned in law school, like breaking things down, you know, into steps, into sort of discrete components or 
you know, being really clear about things like categorization, like, you know, what is this, what is that, you know, and sort of making rules, even for the business, you know, so what I can say is, for instance, um, in running a business, anybody who's built a business knows that there comes a point where you have to write down your systems and processes, grow your businesses, if everything is in your head. Um, so that can be challenging sometimes. And so, you know, for me as a lawyer, if you think about it, writing up a systems and process is mm -hmm. like writing up law. Yeah. You know, so, so you can say, you know, if this happens, then do this or this or this. And if none of those apply, do this or refer mm -hmm. to this thing, you know, so it really has helped me to, to, you know, sort of spell out those systems and processes. And then I think also law helps you to learn to focus on what's important. Like, what are the things that are, I guess, dispositive? If, you know, you're talking in sort of legal jargon, like what facts are dispositive? What matters? What doesn't matter? So focus on the things that matter and throw away the things that are distractions. Yep throw them away or even postpone them until you have time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you, and you even see it with people, you know, like if they're, for instance, if they're doing social media, you know, they might be looking at things like how many followers do they have? That's not important. What really matters is how much engagement or how mm -hmm. many people come to you via your social media. Right. So, you know, if you have a hundred thousand followers, but it doesn't generate clients, that metric is not important. So, you know, yeah. I think you start to learn, okay, that, you know, here's what's important, here's what's not. I mean, obviously they sometimes correlate, but the point is people can focus on the wrong things. And I think being a lawyer, having that legal training has helped me to really analyze, okay, what's creating the effects that I want to see. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I saw that you've spoken at the American Institute of Graphic Arts. Mm -hmm. Was that after law school? And what was that experience like? Yeah, those after law school, I think... Um, Early on in my legal career, again, I wanted to sort of share the expertise with the people that I was serving, uh, get my name out there. So I did a lot of speaking engagements, a lot of you know public speaking engagements where I was on stage at conferences. And it was great because you know that kind of helped me to realize how little people knew about law. And I'm not saying that as you know anything against people who are like designers or artists or anything like that, but just it's not taught, it's not shared well. A lot of lawyers aren't very good at communicating it. And so Mm -hmm. You know, what I got from those interactions is just how thirsty people were to learn more, you know, and so you, you, you give a talk in person and then afterwards, a lot of people come up to you and they have questions. And so for me, that kind of told me, hey, I'm onto something here. You know, this is something that people need yeah. and want. Yeah, that's really powerful when you realize how much knowledge you have yeah. and how fun it is to share with other people. Yeah, and, and see it make a difference where something, mm -hmm. you know, one of the problems I think as lawyers, we have the, the curse of expertise where either we think everybody knows what we know, so we don't bother, you know, breaking down the jargon, yeah. or we devalue our own knowledge. We'll be like, mm -hmm. well, you know, everybody knows how a trademark registration works because you know it backwards and forwards. But the truth is, most people have no idea. Yeah. They'd like to know. Uh, most people don't even know that you don't have to be a lawyer to send a cease and desist letter. There's yeah, not really any backing yeah. behind it, but yeah. you can send it. <laughs> yeah. Or just, or just even explaining what that means. You yeah. Know, that it's not an official thing. And you know, that like a letter from a lawyer is just a letter, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, obviously if there's, you know, legal arguments or, you know, a good legal position articulated, then yeah, definitely pay attention. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've seen, and I've seen letters from lawyers where I'm like, wow, you said a lot of nothing in three pages. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, if I wasn't a lawyer, I would be shaking in my boots, yeah, but I am yeah. a lawyer. So yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I've, I've definitely, I've even told people, like I was saying earlier, like my job now is just sometimes, um, you know, dealing with that emotional part where someone mm -hmm. comes to me and they're like, I'm freaking out. I got this letter. I'm like, let me read it. I read it. I'm like, oh yeah, you can throw that one away. 
I mean, I know that sounds <laughs> flip, but it's true. Like sometimes yeah. I'm like, yeah, they, they have no, they're just trying to scare you. Literally all they're trying to do is, is make you scared and make you make a mistake because you're scared. And so if yeah. you just don't respond, if you you know walk away, I'm, I'm telling you right now, your legal position is good. Ignore them. Yeah. But that's the value of working with you and with counsel for creators and having you as a resource where someone can contact you and say, should I be worried about this? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we've, we've, you know, designed our whole firm to be really easy to reach us so that if, if something does come up for someone, they're not worried about the bill or money. I mean, obviously, yes, we charge and, you know, we charge what, you know, what's fair to us and fair to our clients, but, you know, we also want to make it smooth so that people don't have to, you know, because what we, what you see sometimes is people who don't contact the lawyer and, you know, maybe that, that anxiety gets to them and slows mm-hmm. them down or they make a mistake and, and then it becomes actually a real legal issue because maybe they've admitted something to the other party that they shouldn't have or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So John, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that's been interesting that I've seen, one of the changes in the decade that since I've been out of law school is um, how much easier it is to, to start a law firm. Mm. You know, when I first came out of law school. I mean, I started my law firm pretty soon after I got my license. Um, so, and, you know, I think people were like, uh, are you crazy? Like, you, you know, you don't have a ton of experience. How can we start a law firm? Well, yeah. the truth is, is running a law firm is like running any business. It's a completely different skill set. So, you know, I tell people being a good lawyer doesn't mean you're a good business person and being a good business person doesn't mean you're a, you're a good lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to find where your strengths are and understand those are two completely different skill sets. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that now it's a lot easier for people to, you know, come out of law school or, you know, practice for a year or two and then go out on their own and actually get clients and, you know, make a difference. So um, I encourage people to do that. You know, I encourage people to at least explore that and see if it's possible. Yeah, it's a really great point. Just explore it. You never know what will happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. Or, you know, even with social media, even if you're not looking to form a law firm and take on clients, just sharing legal knowledge on social media. I've seen a lot of people who have, you know, on TikTok or Instagram who have built quite a following because they take legal information and they make it entertaining. And you mm-hmm. know, I think one of the other things I was going to mention about all that is you, now you start to see a lot of authenticity among lawyers. Again, yeah. 10 years ago. And it's so funny because, yeah, when I think back to when I was first practicing law, you know, everybody presents this buttoned up profile on the internet. Everybody's wearing suits and, you know, the hair, the fresh haircut, all that stuff's great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what people are really want to see is, well, who are you really? Like, what are yeah. you really interested in? What do you really like? And it's nice to see lawyers with different personalities who share their personalities and share their interests and quirkiness. And I think that's what really resonates with people nowadays. Yeah. And I think social media has made kind of, it's allowed people to show their personality a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, because it used to be, you know, all you'd really know about a lawyer. I mean, again, even even just 10 years ago, um, mm-hmm. all you'd know about a lawyer is what's on their law firm's corporate website. And usually that's like, you know, a photograph, you know, professional headshot in a suit, and then a mm-hmm. bunch of kind of distinctions that most clients don't even know about. They're like, I don't even know what it means that you're on a law journal. I don't right. even know what your law school means. I don't get that you published articles in this. Like none of it, none of it speaks to me. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. a large, you know, if you're Chevron or something, sure, that's probably what you want to know. But, you know, I think for a lot of the clients that I work with and a lot of people now who are hiring attorneys, they're like, well, I just want to make sure I can relate to this person or that this person yep. will understand me when I talk to them. Yeah. And even just one step further, because there are so many options out there, or at least social media shows us that there are, people want to know if they can trust you. That's why I want to work with you. 
Yeah, exactly right. Like, I want to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see that, you know, I think what's cool about social media is you can see, you know, who shows up consistently. You yeah. know, there's definitely people, people who post daily and just the fact that they do that shows, okay, this is someone who's sticking around. This is someone who's investing in you know, getting that information out there or sharing their knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, John. Hey, it was my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad I could be here with you. All right. So talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating, tell a friend about this podcast, and subscribe to the show so that you never miss a new episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.